My guest today, Ashley Ray, is nothing short of extraordinary. She began with a career in advertising, but she has flourished as a creative. She has now made a name for herself as a stand-up comic, writer, and host of her own podcast, All About Television, TV I Save with Ashley Ray. You might have seen one of her shows or read her work in Elle magazine. She is truly a master of her craft, and I was enlightened and entertained by our conversation today. Hi, Ashley. It's so nice to finally meet you. Hi, it is so great to be here. It is so great to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, too. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, I absolutely love seeing young Black women and podcasting, so I, I love this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um, and I, I really enjoy your podcast, too. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it was a long journey to get it to where it is now. And just seeing it grow and get more listeners and fans has been so fun and such a just, yeah, an amazing journey. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, if you will, I would love for my audience to get to know who you are. Who is Ashley Ray? Yeah, I'm a comedian, a writer, and podcast host. I am from Illinois, Midwest. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, and then I lived in Chicago for a long time before I moved to LA. Um, I worked at The Onion. I did, I've been doing stand-up comedy for like like eight years now, I think. Uh, I started at The Onion in 2016, so I kind of consider that, I guess, my comedy start. Um, and yeah, I started writing for TV back in 2021, 2022 maybe. Uh, my first show was Alabama Jackson on Adult Swim with Wanda Sykes and Donald Faison, which was such a fun job to work on. And then I've worked on uh, a few other projects since then, the Sausage Party TV show that'll be out on Prime Video. Um, I'm, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> I do stand up writing just, most of the time people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I write all day. And then, uh, yeah, I have my podcast, TV I Say, which I started independently. And now it is an Earwolf, a serious podcast where I, I celebrate TV. I love all things TV. So I interview writers, actors, comedians, anybody, really. Like, I'll, I have my mom on sometimes just to talk about her favorite shows. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. You have some amazing credentials. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. So, like, during your youth, when did you... When and how did you come to love comedy? Uh, when I was in elementary school, I would watch a lot of Saturday Night Live. Like, I I don't think this is how kids watch TV now, but like back then you only had cable. <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not that old. <laughs> but basically we had like, you know, premium cable they, and you just watched what was that, whatever was on syndication. And back then Comedy Central would just play Saturday Night Live old episodes all day long. And I just fell in love with it. I would sit and watch every sketch. I would print out scripts from a Weekend Update and like perform them with my friends. I just, I, I bought like all the behind the scenes Saturday Night Live books and the cast bio biographies. Um, and that was really what like started my love. I just thought that show was amazing. And then, you know, from there you get to like Mad TV and In Living Color, yeah. <laughs> So everything is led up to here. How did you, um, what was your journey like as a comedian? Would you say your career path was smooth or was it <laughs> uh, No, really, I, 
I think like a lot of people, it took me a long time and I, I did a lot of other things. And even though I knew I loved comedy from a really young age and I, I started doing performances in high school, like I would do stand up and perform uh, Flight of the Concord songs. They were like a music parody group and um, I would do like Mitch Hedberg jokes for talent shows. But I never thought it was realistic for me. You know, looking at those scenes and those movies and those groups, I never saw black people. Like I didn't see black girls. I didn't see black women. I was always like, oh, that's not a realistic career. Like I can't, I can't go to the second city. You know, that's not what I do. That's not what black women do. They don't, we're not there. I didn't see us. So honestly, I didn't consider it as like a realistic thing. I was just like, oh, that's just like a hobby. But I was really focused in college at that point at getting into advertising because I figured if I liked writing and I actually wanted to make money, advertising's the way to do it. Uh, also the show Mad Men was very popular at the time. So I was like, yeah, that's easy. And uh, when I graduated, I got into advertising and worked at a few agencies for like six years uh, before I started at The Onion. So. I had a lot of detours, but at a certain point, you know, I, I was a comedian, I'm a writer, I'm trying to write TV, I'm also a critic. You, I just was in so many lanes and doing so many things that I kind of had to figure out what I really wanted to do and start to focus on that. And that's when I was like, I want my podcast, I want to do stand up, uh, and I want to write TV. So, um, you know, I quit advertising, I quit doing um, criticism mostly, like, for a while, I would just, I would like interview people, you know, for my podcast or like for certain publications, or I would just write about 90 Day Fiance, just like really easy kind of light stuff, um, but no more like pitching. So I had to force myself to kind of really pare down and and figure out what really mattered to me and who I wanted to be and what I wanted my career to be. Um, and when I worked in advertising, I was also doing like stand up and like freelancing on the side. You know, I would go to work and do a nine to five at Google. And then afterwards I would, you know, review Blackish. And then I would go tell stand up jokes until two in the morning uh, at a bunch of different open mics and shows and then go to sleep and do it all again. It was so much harder to work around my schedule. Like, you know, I would have client meetings after work and I'd be like, ooh, I have a show at eight o'clock. So uh, I'm going to need to figure this out. Um, and it just kind of reached a point where it just wasn't tenable anymore. Like, <laughs> I remember I was still working at Google. I had a team in New York that I worked with a lot and I was doing like, I was headlining a show at Union Hall and, you know, promoting it. And I think I was like saying, I like took a day off cause I was like, oh yeah, I'm like sick. I gotta, you know, whatever. <laughs> and a few of my coworkers were like, Ashley, I know you said you were sick, but I like see that you're headlining Union Hall tonight. <laughs> we're getting ads my friends all say they're going and it's like sold out and i'm like oh that's so weird like and they were like is that the, are you the same ashley <laughs> like coworkers would be like oh are you the same ashley who like wrote this article in harper's bazaar and i'd be like oh yeah that's me <laughs> uh so it just like reached a point where i was like you know yeah i i really need to bet on myself i guess is i i took the time to I do the research until I, I was comfortable betting on myself because it is so much work to, to do it all on your own. Right. But I mean, I mean, there's some beauty in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad I did it. I am also, I also was really lucky to have so much help. Like I do think that's a good thing about sort of coming up now as a black woman in comedy. When I was younger, I didn't see 
people like Quinta Brunson. I didn't see people like, you know, Janelle James. Um, they were doing, I mean, Janelle was like doing comedy, but I, that they weren't the people who were like getting attention from popular media, you know, unless you were in a new New York comedy club, you wouldn't see these people. And as I got older, like after college, that's when it was like, oh yeah, black women in comedy. Like, you know, Tiffany Haddish, obviously she got it. She was a big deal with like girls trip. And then it was like, oh, Quinta and Buzzfeed, you know, that was around the time that I was in college. Like Quinta and I are about the same age. And that's when I was like, oh, she's just like doing this herself. Like she's just putting this on Vine and YouTube. And Issa Rae obviously was a huge part of that. And she was just putting her show on YouTube. And that's when I was like, oh, I can just, I can just do this myself. Like I don't have to see myself in these like white institutions that'll never change. It was like seeing other black women who were funny and talented do it themselves that made me go, okay, this isn't that scary. There are people I can reach out to. I've been so blessed to, to call both of those women mentors to me uh, and to interview them is, was like life changing. I was like, oh my gosh, you're the reason I, I do this. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what makes it easier now. And so great is that it truly does feel more supportive and collaborative. And like, there's this net of sort of black women working with you. Why the media television in particular? What, what intrigues you about television? Yeah, I get that a lot because obviously TV, people look down on it. A lot of even creatives see TV as a way to get a movie made. Um, you know, people say like we're only now in some sort of like prestige golden age of TV over the last like decade. And I think that's silly. I've loved TV my whole life. I love old TV shows. I love new TV shows. I was growing up watching Golden Girls. I loved watching, you know, Fresh Prince, any... I just love TV, sitcoms, dramas, you know, ER, Grey's Anatomy, which I still watch. I love it. Primetime, like even daytime TV. I love it as a medium. I think TV allows us to tell these rich, deep stories over a long period of time that quickly reflect human behavior, human current culture and conversation, you know? But you're a TV writer yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been a staff writer on Alabama Jackson. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I love it. I love that I've been able to actually make it happen that I went from, you know, being a stand up and doing all these other things and being like TV writing is the dream, but it, it's not possible. It's so hard. And, you know, after college, I applied to a lot of like PA jobs and writer's assistance jobs. I was like, whatever would get me in a room. And it was impossible. Like I didn't get hired for anything. Mm. And so I was just like, ah, this is so hard. Like, I'm just going to keep my day job. I'm going to keep working at Google, whatever ad company, whatever tech place. Um, and then, yeah, finally I got a shot with Alabama Jackson and I quit Google and decided to focus on that. And I love being a TV writer. I love it. It's it's literally it's like truly a dream come true to be in a writer's room. It's, you know, I hope to develop and produce my own stuff and to be a showrunner someday. And it's amazing to just actually be on that path. So do you have an article or an interview that you've written that you hold close to your heart in particular? Ooh, uh I think the one that meant the most to me was I got to interview uh, Michaela Cole uh, for Elle. Um, was that Elle? Oh, damn. Yeah, I think it was Elle. <laughs> like, was that the cut? <laughs> it meant so much to me. I don't even remember who I wrote it for. But <laughs> uh, 
I'm very certain it was L. Uh, yeah, because that's when I was I was doing a lot of profiles for them. Uh, and I got to interview Michaela Cole like right after I May Destroy You aired. And I loved that piece. I got to uh, review and just analyze every episode for the AV Club. So that it, it just like had really touched me. That work was one of those shows that made me go, this is what TV can do. Like this is beyond sort of any expectation of comedy and drama and, you know, just black feminism that we've seen on TV. It was just so beyond anything that we had ever seen at that point. Uh, so getting to talk to her was just amazing. And she was so nice. And she, you know, we were, it was over Zoom because it was the quarantine, but she still was so warm and welcoming and gave me just such great advice. And it was like a point in my life when I was really kind of struggling with, like I said, finding my voice and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to focus on. And I was expending, I don't know, I think a lot of energy on social media because I think that can be it can feel like quick success, right? Like you get followers or, you know, a post is successful or something gets a lot of views and you're like, oh, okay, that that's good. That's still working. That's, you know, doing it and you feed into it. And it's easy to give a lot of yourself away to that, to give just oversharing and like not keeping things to yourself that you get to enjoy or, you know, just your energy giving too much, whatever it is, it can be a lot. And talking to her, she was just very like, I had to step away from all of that. Like in order to really create and to find what I wanted to do, I had to separate myself from social media and that whole just collective voice of people. Um, and, you know, she was like, I don't, I, she was like, you know, seeing what you do online and like how you still write, like, I don't even understand. Like I couldn't do that, you know? And I was like, that's a good point. Like if she didn't do this, I probably shouldn't be doing it. I was like, you know what, girl, you, you got a good point. <laughs> Uh, so I took a break, like I stopped using Twitter for a while and like shut my account down. You know, I stopped TikTok for a long time and just was like, just focus and finished a lot of things. And, you know, now I think it's like finding a good balance between between those two things. But uh, yeah, that interview with Michaela was the one that really just got me to change a lot. So that's beautiful. She's a great actress. Yeah, she's amazing and just so, so nice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I did, I embarrassed myself in that interview and it haunts me every day. <laughs> oh no, how? what She was talking about like how she was hanging out with Issa Rae and I was like, she was like, yeah, and then Issa had to go to her restaurant because Issa Rae owns this like coffee shop here in LA. And I was like, oh, I've been to her restaurant. It's really good. And Michaela was like, oh, what'd you get? What's good there? And I was like, oh, I love the short rib grilled cheese sandwich. It's like really tasty. If you get it, I recommend it. And she was like, I'm vegan, which I knew. I knew she was vegan. <laughs> I knew she was vegan, but I don't know. I was just like, that's what was good. And she was <laughs> like, I'm vegan. And I just went, oh, then don't get that then. <laughs> and I was like, why did I say that? I was like, anyway. It was pretty funny, though. I mean, it was just <laughs> It but every day I'll be in the shower. And I'm just like, I said, don't get that then to Michaela Cole. Why did I say that? No, I mean, that was, that was a great one. I mean, she probably remembered it. I mean, that's probably something. Yeah, she she's probably like that girl who tried to get me to eat a short rib grilled cheese sandwich. Do you, I mean, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you had great meaningful moments with Janelle James and Gwyneth Brunson when you interviewed them. I know you oh, said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And Janelle, like I, I've, I wrote about Janelle and her character for Harper's Bazaar and, you know, Principal Ava, who is one of my favorite characters now. And she's so supportive of black women in comedy. Like I would just go and be, you know, on some show with eight other comics or whatever, and she'd be one of them, or she'd just be in the green room. And she was so welcoming and just like, you know, we're doing this. And she's just, yeah, just so supportive and willing to introduce you to people. And at the same time, she never allowed herself to like be boxed in as, you know, this kind of comic. And then Quinta, yeah. That, that was another one where we like, we had like known each other through comedy. We had run into each other at like some events. So this was like the first time we really got to sit and talk to each other. And I got to hear about like her process and journey. Um, Cause there were a lot of similarities. Like we went to school around the same time and had the same like love for Saturday Night Live and comedy. And where I was like, hey, I don't see myself in this. I'm going to, you know, do the thing that's practical. She was like, I'm going to do the impractical thing. And, you know, she told her parents like she was going to college and actually like moved to, she was like, I'm going to college in Philadelphia. And then she was like, actually, I'm going to go sneak to Chicago and start classes at the Second City. And, you know, I would never do that. Like, and she had the courage to, that's how she met so many people and found her voice and, you know, became the Quinta we know. And to hear her talk about it and to talk openly about like the losses that she took, how it wasn't this easy journey for her. You know, she knew how to be funny on Vine and to find her audience. And she knew she had that talent, but it's a completely different thing to translate that to, you know, the white industry. So hearing her talk about like her failed CBS show and her, you know, Verizon show, her Facebook show, all of these little things that led to like Abbott Elementary being what it was. Um, even though I started comedy, like after her, you know, I think especially in entertainment, sometimes you can feel like I didn't do it when I was young. Like I should have started this when I was 19. It's too late for me now. Um, and I started when I was 25 and you know, that's, I guess old now for comedy. Like everyone's always like, Oh, she's 22 or something. I don't know. But I started when I was 25 and just seeing how Quinta you know, took that time and it took all that time to get her where she needed to be to have the things she wanted to have. Like, I just embrace that and see it as like, it's it's an individual journey, no matter where you start it, it's gonna be what it needs to be for you. Um, and she also gave me some really good advice. She, uh, you know, she knew that I was a comic. She had seen me do stand up a few times, I think. And she also knew that I was a critic and I was still at that point at that point, I had not, I stopped like doing a lot of TV criticism, but I, you know, would do like occasional pieces on uh, like a comedy special. Like, you know, if, if Leslie Jones put out a special, I'd review it. And Quinta was like, you know, you're really funny and you're a good writer and you need to decide if you're going to be a creative or if you're going to be a critic. You know, you have to be on the side of creativity or be a critic. You can't kind of switch between both sides and claim like, you know, oh, I can talk about this and I'm a critic. And then, you know, I'm also creative because on the creative side, we're all being vulnerable and like putting ourselves out there and our work this way. And, you know, where we have to see that for me, like, where's the creative, like, you know, create, what are you creating beyond the criticism? And that really got me to go, yeah, I got to focus on that. That's, I want to create, you know, create my comedy album. I want to create my podcast. I want to create these things. And so, Quinta, Quinta inspired me to, to do that and to really define myself as a comedian and creative instead of still seeing myself as like a culture TV critic and writer. So, Wow, that's beautiful. 
so yeah, this year I have uh, my first album coming out, uh, my first like hour of, of stand-up, uh, which I've been workshopping and working on for about a year and a half now. Uh, and I'm just, yeah, I can't wait for it to actually be out and to have that like creation in the world. So I'm really excited. I'm sure you are. That's awesome. Can you, are, are you allowed to say the name? Can you say what it's I called? actually don't, I think it's uh, going to be called These Jokes Are About You. So it's a great name. I think it's good. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. That's an excellent name. Thank you. Yeah. It definitely sticks. Yeah, right. And it's yeah. a little fun, like Carly Simon reference. It's great. So yeah, kind of like TV. I say your podcasts. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really bad at naming things. A lot of times I just go what rhymes with my name. And so I was like, TV, I say with Ashley, Wright. Sure. <laughs> like, what's it about? Uh, so the podcast is it's my sort of vision and love of television. I chose the name TV I Say partially because it rhymed with my name, but also because it's what I say goes for TV. It is truly, it's not, you know, this is what the critics say is the best. This is what, you know, the discourse is on Twitter or whatever. This is what's trending in the shows. No, it is whatever I say. It's what I want to talk about. It's what I think is interesting and going on. Um, I'll have an episode where we talk about like Super Bowl commercials with Paul F. Tompkins and Lauren Lapkus, or I talk about 90 Day Fiance with Seth Rogen and Roxanne Gay. And, you know, I like I just dive into the things that interest me. Like I'm obsessed with Below Deck. So I interviewed like Captain Sandy. And I think a lot of TV podcasts, you know, they're like, what's popular? Oh, everybody's talking about The Last of Us. Everybody's talking about House of the Dragon. And they focus on those big moments or the prestige channels. And I'm the person who's like, hey, so 10 of us are watching Killing It on Peacock and we're going to talk about it. So, you know, having sort of like TV royalty, as I call them, June Diane Raphael, all of those people on the show in the second season, um, I think it just really helped to up it to, you know, we're celebrating TV. This is TV club, no movies allowed. So... That's wonderful. Thank you for telling me all about your podcast and all about you and all about all the wonderful things you're doing with TV. Thank you so much for talking to me. I hope I didn't go on too long, I thought, <laughs> but your questions were great. And, you know, I, I love helping, like I said, young people in podcasting and entertainment. So if you ever have questions or anything, feel free to hit me up. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Mirror Elizabeth Show. I hope you are inspired. Be sure to download, follow me on your socials, and stream the next episode.